Blog Talk Radio. From Los Angeles, California, it's Music Friday Live, brought to you by World Arts, a global platform for musicians and fans in the music industry, and by MySanFelipeVacation.com, your source for a great getaway on the Sea of Cortez. I'm your host, Patrick O'Hepernan. This is your show. These bands are here to talk with you, so you can call in. 347-215-7511, or you can email us. You know, I know you're sitting there at work with your headphones on, so if you want to email us, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. We actually already have some email people who have questions for our guest today. Well, I want to say uh, welcome to our listeners on the cyberstationusa.com network out there in the East Coast and all of their radio affiliates who will hear us later tonight, so you guys, when you're hearing us later tonight, email in. All right, don't call because we won't be here. Uh, and also our radio affiliates um, uh, in London who are listening to us on the Artist Echoes Network in London. Also, everybody who's listening to us on Stitcher or iTunes. Like I said, if you're listening live and have questions, call in 347-215-7511. If you're listening to a podcast or a rebroadcast or East Coast or London uh, email us, musicfridaylive at gmail.com, and, and um, we'll see to it that you get an answer. Well, before we go on um, to our first guest, I, I want to alert everyone that, and this is particularly for our USA listeners, uh, that the yesterday the FCC voted to overturn the net neutrality rules. Now, this means that AT&T and Comcast and whoever your internet provider is, can block websites they don't like, you know, like consumer sites or political sites or even music sites that don't play music produced by companies that they own or have contracts with. They can charge you fees for visiting sites you like. They can make you buy packages, you know, like the cable channels do. In short, they can control what you see on the web and how much more you have to pay for it. Big Brother is here, and its name is Comcast and AT&T. Well, you can fight back. It's not over yet. You can join Team Internet, which is a network of local resistance organizations pressuring Congress to overturn the FCC decision. Congress can do that. It's in the law. So both Republicans and Democrats in Congress are now starting to criticize the FCC because they know that the ISPs will use their power to silence members of Congress who oppose price hikes and delivery slowdowns. So after the show today, Google Team Internet, find it, and sign up and help us bring the Internet back. Well, I have known for some time, but I have never seen him live until last week playing with Eric Lynn at the Santa Monica Playhouse. Wow, you know, what rock have I been living under? Uh, Steve is a master guitarist. He's a master songwriter. He's a master performer, and he's just great fun. Oh, he's also a studio owner, a collaborator with artists like Ken Heat and Joe Walsh and Emmy Lou Harris, and a composer with credits on TV shows like NBC's Homicide and Walker. And if that's not enough, he also builds microphones. So he occupies a special and unique place in America's music, and I'm proud to have Steve and Eric with us today. Steve and Eric, welcome to Music Friday Live. Thank you, Patrick. Happy to be here. Great to be here. Well, I have a copy of the new album, Stars and Chandeliers, courtesy of your performance at the Santa Monica Playhouse, and I've been listening to it all week, and I want to get into it, especially some of the songs like Say the Word and Say a Prayer for New York City. But first, I want to introduce you a little better better to some of our listeners who may not be completely familiar with you. Uh, Steve, you're a Midwesterner by origin. Does the environment you grew up with you know, not just the music, but the Midwest experience. Does that thread through everything you do musically? I think it's hard for it not to. Um, I come from Wisconsin, in particular, Waukesha, Wisconsin, which is also where Les Paul was from. And uh, they called Les Paul the Wizard of Waukesha. Now they call me the Wizard of Waukesha. So (laughs) I'm carrying on the... The Midwestern uh, tradition as best I can. 
<laughs> How about you, Eric? Uh, where do you hail from? You know, I'm a I'm a rare Los Angeles native. Yay! Yay! Okay. I'm, I'm from here. I've I've, uh, I've definitely lived in other places, so I'm I'm aware of of how California I am. Okay. Uh, but, All right. Uh, yeah, born and raised here in in Los Angeles. All right. Uh, well, uh, Steve, uh, why did you move to L.A.? Well, <clears throat> I really um, I got to a certain point in my life and I'd never even seen the Pacific Ocean and uh, I had been living in Minneapolis. It was a particularly brutal winter that winter and uh, I had a publishing deal at the time and my publishers, although Nashville based, were starting to make some inroads in Los Angeles. So they invited me out to see um, Los Angeles and I fell in love with Venice Beach uh, right away and decided that wouldn't be so bad uh, for at least a little bit um, after that brutal winter I was going through. So that's kind of how it came to pass. And I thought I'd be here for maybe a year or two. And it's been, I don't even want to tell you how many out <laughs> here in Southern California. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of a familiar story, actually. Well, Steve, uh, you've worked with, and you currently work with uh, the essence um and the very technology of sounds, uh, tube microphones, amplifiers, instruments that produce a certain kind of sound. And, and I know it when I hear it, but I can't really describe it. So what is the sound that you design and record for? How would you describe it? That's a good question. Uh, really hard to put it into words. It's, it's better to just close your eyes and, and, and do a listening test. But um Audiophile people will use terms like a sound stage to describe what a what a tube offers you that you might not get um, from a transistor or from solid state. Um, of course, Eric and I both know that um, there's some very fine solid state gear out there as well. But um, I'm looking for a warm sound, a, a natural sound, and um, and as high quality of a signal path as I can get to tape, so to speak, we use that term um, kind of loosely. Um, and then on, on the back end, um, mixing through the best um, signal path as well. So it's all about signal path and sound quality and delivering something warm and, and natural. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I can speak to that a little too because. Yeah. You know, as a person who's also involved in, in recording studios and also plays music i'll say that one of the exciting things about doing both of those things is to sort of have you know one foot in a like the the artistic creative side where you're actually playing the music and writing the music and you know you're the artist and then to be on the technical side it's sort of like you have another foot in the in the science of it all which is equally inspiring when you when you think about all of what needs to to uh, you know, take place to be able to to record stuff and have it sound great. So it's it's really like just the way different chords, you know, elicit different emotions and have different colors. So so does the gear. So like it's sort of at the you, you take a step back and, and you're 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 playing the, the the mixing console and all of this this great equipment that we we love so much. Those just become instruments for us. So. Um, Steve takes it to another level where he, you know, we were building some microphones. That was a long time ago. Like we were like, Hey, I bet we could save some money and, and build some tube mics. You know, we found a, <laughs> a, a, a schematic that uh, we found in a, in a, in a, I think it was an old tape op magazine. And we're like, Oh, we could do this. This would, this would be a way to like, you know, make our mic collections much hipper without spending a ton of bread, um, which was a big concern at that time. But, you know, so we got into that and, and got our, our hands into uh, what that would mean. But I'll say that Steve took it miles, miles further than, than anybody was expecting. Uh, I think we our initial project was to build a couple of, of nice, like, vocal mics. But, you know, he went on to, to build, I mean, tens and tens of mics and, and, and actually was selling them to people. And people were like, how do you, how did you get that sound? And it was mm. microphones that he built by hand and, 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 and really exploring the different tubes and, and, and the different kinds of 
sounds that we could get by putting in different components. So um, maybe I should I should come down and take a look at your microphones because I, I think that the, the Yeti mic that I'm talking into now is not a tube mic. Um, right. <laughs> we'll talk about that off air, okay? But in the meantime, I want to take your advice, Steve, and I'm going to play some of that music. Uh, this is uh, Say the Word. say that um, and I, I've been listening to it all week but it's still hypnotizing now I understand that you play that in an open D minor chord my own instrument is the cajon and the huero so guitar chords are a little hazy for me um, is it the minor key that gives that the warmth and the haunting sound or is it a whole bunch of other things too well, that's a big part of it for sure and um, tuning to open chords is uh something that i do a lot of and um, that that's a little bit a uh, rarer tuning to tune to an open d minor a lot of people will tune to an open d major chord but um minor takes it a step beyond but you'd be surprised how many bands like for example the rolling stones um play with an open open guitar tuning and a lot of the classic music that you've listened to um, over the years and, and even some of the newer stuff, um, the guys that are really doing it and really trying to sound unique um, will often tune their guitars specifically for the songs they're writing. So, wow. um, Eric, or, or vice versa. I mean, I was going to say, I'm, as a keyboard player, I, I'm like jealous that a guitar player can do a new tuning and, and essentially have a whole new instrument with a whole new voice. So, right. Well <laughs> said. Yes. There's, well, I, uh, I, I, the I, keyboard players, you know, just different a different kind of thing you can do to to, to get different sounds out of a keyboard, but it, it's you're still playing the same tuning essentially. Well, actually, I, I have a question for you on that. Now, there are B threes and Rhodes notes in many of the songs on on this album. Now, for the uninitiated who just sit back and enjoy the music, uh, what is the difference between those two instruments, and how do you determine which ones to play? Uh, this well, is a great question. Yeah, um, well, you take that one, Eric. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, the Rhodes is a, an electric piano, and the B3 is it, people is sort of a, a shorthand for the Hammond B3 organ. People call it a B3, but it's a so that that has sort of like the, the churchy organ sound, and the um, the the Rhodes is more of the electric piano sound. Um, and it, it has how do you, notes I, that are more percussive sounding because it's a piano, whereas the organ, when you play a note, it sustains automatically. So that's one of the main differences. But they, okay, there's a whole world that. of sounds that that both of them provide. Um, right. So, and I've I've noticed that that lots of keyboard players are up there with two and three keyboards, and now I understand why. I wanted to ask you about that song. Now, now the song I understand was inspired by the famous 1994 Talking Timbuktu album um, right. by uh, Touré and Cooter, which I actually think I have back here in uh, the stacks of CDs behind me. Um, and in that song, I believe Steve, you wrote the words: "No money will ever be transferred. No, no debt ever incurred. Just say the word." 
Sweet Hummingbird. That could be a comment on the current state of the music industry. You don't get <laughs> money for the words and the, and, and the streams. Um, is it? Is that what you were thinking of? Uh, not necessarily, but uh, uh, that's, uh, that's a good interpretation, and I love it when uh, okay. something I write um, becomes sort of universal and can be applied to uh, different kinds of things. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. that just speaks to the truth of the lyric. Okay. And we should also, we should also just for the record, you know, we're, we're open to money being transferred. That's, that's fine. There's <laughs> <laughs> not, not enough of us. One of the uh, themes of, of this, this show is that musicians must get paid. Well, there is a, another song on the album that is, uh, that I really love that it sort of makes me close my eyes and listen and then think about it. And this is say a prayer for New York city. Asbestos in the air. Wow, I, you know, I, I, I understand the driving force behind that song was nine, the nine eleven attack. But um, Steve, I also understand that you sat on that song for a couple of years. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, well, um, I've been sitting on a lot of this stuff for a few years. So um, just because I was concentrating on making other people's records, so after complaining about it for a while not putting out my own music i collected all these songs together and decided to put my money where my mouth is and uh and actually put my own music out there so yeah we can do the math and figure out how long that one's been sitting in the can so to speak but um <laughs> it was definitely inspired by 9-11 and was written within months of 9-11 and most of it was recorded even that far back i think we added the um Daryl Johnson's bass part um, towards the end, which is uh, um, you might not think um, that that would be the case because it's such a important part of that recording. Daryl's um, really frenetic um, hustling and bustling bass line there, um, which really um, speaks to the vibe of New York City. Well, you, you just mentioned that you were busy putting out other people's records, and, and you own a studio here in, in Los Angeles, Studebaker Sound. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, both of you can comment on this. I've been told by other producers that the studio world is shrinking because of DIY recording technology, and the competition is tougher. Uh, is that true? And what does Studebaker do that other studios don't do? What is your signature? Well, I'm sure well, we are the we, like we are the D, we are the DIY. This is that is that we are the that is the studio that couldn't have existed previously when the technology was out of reach. This is this is that. Um, not that we're the ones putting other studios out of business, but um, the technology being so accessible is is what created that. Uh, Steve and I collaborated, uh, I feel like a few different times over the years on on, on the studios, but. Um, being, it used to be that to have a studio meant you had to have a you know a very expensive console and a tape machine, which would re require maintenance and a staff and a whole thing. In in the day that we're in now with with, with Pro Tools and digital recording, like a lot of that is is super accessible. In fact, 
you know, most most people, if you buy a, a Mac laptop, it comes with GarageBand already on there, which is a very powerful multi-track recorder if, if you choose to use it. So it's really, right. really, um, really leveling, leveling the play field. And my, and this studio here um, started out as, as a home studio, like, like I, I think it's what you're describing where a lot of people are basically able to put their own home studios together, but it's, it's definitely a cut above that now because of all the attention we've put into building gear. Um, and then, uh, you know, there, Eric, if you want to, you could talk about the, the big, big side of studio recording in, in LA cause, um, uh, Eric, um, manages some, some of the state of the art studios here, but it's, it's true that some of the bigger studios have, uh, have, have, um, um, gone by the wayside because of um, the advent of being able to record on a on a computer and uh, people being able to make records in their own in their own homes. Okay, uh, I want to remind my audience that we're talking with uh, Steve McCormick and uh, Eric Lynn about the new album and uh, Stars and Chandeliers, and we're talking about music studio and warm sounds, and you can talk with them too. You can call in. Three four seven two one five seventy five eleven, or you can email in, and people are already emailing in, so we're going to get to your emails. But just in case you need the address again, it's musicfridaylive at gmail dot com. Why don't we go to some of these emails, guys? Um, as I thought, and as I mentioned, several people have asked, "What is open tuning?" Well, that just means that you tune your guitar to a chord. Um, the standard tuning that most people learn how to play in is um is a tuning that derives from an old lute tuning and it's um uh, it's not a chord in other words when you strum the guitar without pressing any frets down it's it's not really a uh, a chord so what open tuning means is tuning your guitar so that when you strum it without fretting any notes you you actually get a a chord um usually oh, okay. a major chord um like d major would be D major open tuning would be a D major chord and, and so forth. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rachel in New York City wants to know if uh, you're going to tour the album on the East Coast. No plans to do that as of yet, but would love to do that. Um, obviously, would love to bring it to, to New York. Um, I have uh, two teenage daughters, one of them in college, in Connecticut and the other one about to, we just found out last week about to go to college in, in New York, um, at Sarah Lawrence. Um, Congratulations. So I've got also, yeah, it's big news. I don't even know if Eric's heard that news yet, but, um, I would love to bring it to the East coast. We do have a Midwestern tour in the works for this summer. Um, so that's, that's the next, um, big uh, part of the country that we'll be trying to get to, but um, the East Coast um, hopefully won't be far behind. Okay. Uh, question for Eric. Uh, this is from Simpson in San Francisco. Do you ever play with two or three keyboards on stage, and do you ever play keyboard and piano at the same time? Uh, yes, and and yes. you. It's, and, and I think by piano, I'll he means real piano. Yeah, like a real piano. Uh, usually a real piano, uh, that's sort of a luxury these days uh, to, to be performing with one of those because that uh, requires someone to come and tune it and do all of that. But a very common thing uh, for me to do is to take a keyboard and put it on top of like a Wurlitzer keyboard. And Wurlitzer piano is, an old, is, a, is a vintage electric piano. And, and uh, I have another keyboard that I can put on top so I can actually play the, the B3 sounds uh, using the the synthesizer that would go on top of the uh, the Wurlitzer. So so yes, uh, one of the great things that that technology has done for keyboard players, though, it has made it uh, so that you can actually have one keyboard. Um, I use two different sounds when I'm performing with Steve. I use a, a Wurlitzer sample and I use a B3 sample on this one. It's a it's a Nord stage keyboard, and there's oh. basically one but one button that I can hit that I can you know, seamlessly go between the B3 and, and the, and the Wurlitzer. And I can also split the keyboard so that one side of it is going to be Wurlitzer and the other side can be 
B3 so I can play both at the same time. It's, wow. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm impressed. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Well, you are getting I, a little As tough. I was lamenting, oh, I was going to say, as I was lamenting not being able to, to do, you know, alternative tunings and things like that, I, I will also say that, there, that the technology, um, the music technology has been really, really uh, great for p- piano players. Uh, there's so much incredible uh, samples that people have created, and there's so many different kinds of keyboards you can play. And, and, and now a lot of them are, are software-based, so you can get a new program for your computer, and then you have, you know, tens of thousands of, of new sounds to explore, which can be really, really exciting. Well, now and when I think about the, the, the small range of sounds in my cajon, I'm, I'm bowled over. I'm intimidated. But uh, we should move on because we are getting a little tight on time. And I do want to play another song. I want to actually uh, change things up a little bit and get funky just to show you can do it and uh, play uh, Lucky Tonight. <laughs> My body's making my mind a liar My whole world changing from a dark to light I know that everything will be alright I got a feeling that I'm really getting lucky tonight Ooh, lucky tonight Yeah, I'm getting lucky tonight I've been down so low, been out of sight And yes, I got a feeling that I'm That's been on top of my, my playlist uh, all, uh, all, all week. We are getting a little uh, tight on time here, but uh, did you, you wanted to mention somebody who's been, who plays on that song with you. Yeah, I just would really quickly tell you, because Eric and I recorded one of our best friends on, on that song, and that was Richie Hayward, the dearly departed Richie Hay- Hayward, the drummer from Little Feet, is playing on that song. So uh, I, uh, people that are... Uh, knowledgeable little feet can probably hear that in two seconds, but I just wanted to get that in before we. Okay. Uh, well, that ex- explains explains these very sophisticated and wonderful drumming on that. Well, like I said, we are almost out of time, but I I say what I think is the best for last, and I'm sure you can argue with me on that. At least the song I think is the most fun, uh, even if it was in, inspired by a tragedy. And this is lying on the bottom. Make it home, you know, my baby will be better And I go to my grave with her thinking I'm a crater She's never gonna know I had a diamond ring to give her Now I'm lying on the bottom of the Mississippi River
You know, it's a good thing I've got this long, flexible cord on my earphones because I'm up dancing around the studio. That is so <laughs> much fun. All right. Now, I know the song was inspired by the collapse of the, the bridge in Minneapolis where, uh, where you lived in 2007. But uh, um, real quickly, you have a strong connection to all the music cities along the river, Steve, especially New Orleans. And I'm writing. I'm reading a book now on the um, the beginning of skiffle music, which uh, actually wasn't began in in New Orleans. And I just wondered, uh, do you think that American music or many genres of American music was actually born along that river? Absolutely. I, I was an American studies major in college, and I can attest to the fact that music literally traveled up and down Old Man River. And you can you can make a strong argument that it really all comes from. New Orleans, from from Dixieland to the Neville Brothers, um, Delta Blues, all of it. But um, sure, you can well, you can make that argument, and you may find some some dissension. But uh, uh, you'd have, be hard pressed to find a lot of people arguing with that. Well, I'm not going to argue with it. But right now, unfortunately, we are out of time. I hate to leave because there's 11 more great songs on this album. My <laughs> listeners will just have to get a copy of it. Where should they go to get a copy of it, Steve? We're going to go to cdbaby.com forward slash CD forward slash Steve McCormick and the number three is how they can find the music. All right. And also, why don't you give them your website? It's stevemccormick-music.com. Okay. Well, I've... Guys, I want to thank both of you, Steve and Eric, for taking the time to be with us today. For our Los Angeles listeners, Steve, you're going to be playing tonight in Santa Monica, aren't you? Yeah, I'm doing an acoustic show um, in Santa Monica at the Rap Theater. It starts around 8.30. The Rap is located on 2nd Street between Broadway and Santa Monica, just off the promenade. Okay. Well, thank, thanks again. I really... Uh, uh, appreciate it. This has been so much fun. All right. We're going to take a, a quick break. And uh, when we come back, uh, we've got Katie Garibaldi, who is who's bringing us her new Christmas album. But before that, we're going to take a uh, just a second to let our broadcast partner tell you about World Arts. World Arts brings the entire music world together on one global stage. We give artists the tools to sell and license their music, interact with industry pros, and play live to a whole new audience. Wherever they are on their journey, we want artists to get paid for what they create. At World Arts, fans can discover new songs, get exclusive rewards, and crowdfund projects for artists. Brands can offer opportunities for artists to create original content that fans can instantly vote on and share. World Arts is the global music platform where we can all rise above the noise. Take your career to the next level. Discover new artists. At World Arts, it's all about the music. It is all about the music, and we are members of World Arts, and you should be too. It's free. Just go to worldarts.com and sign up and join this wonderful community of musicians and the music industry. Well, I want to say I actually first encountered Katie Garibaldi when she was nominated for the L.A. Music Critic Award for Female Country Americana Artist in 2016. I didn't vote that year. I just joined the organization, but I did go through the nominations and listen to them all, and she stood out. She stood out for me, and obviously she stood out for a lot of other people because she won. Now, I'm not sure why it took me so long to invite her to the show, just this, you know, the sheer avalanche of, of talent that I face every day here. But fortunately, she reached out to me and reminded me of how much I liked what I heard. And even better, she has a new Christmas album. And since this is our last show before Christmas vacation, all of the pieces fell into place. Katie is an independent singer-songwriter in San Francisco with an operatic voice when she wants it and a knack for writing songs that pick up awards, not to mention thousands of followers. And I am so happy that she reached out to me, and I'm so happy to be able to finally say the words. Katie, welcome to Music Friday Live. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you. That's so nice. Uh, Katie, uh, has the I, 
idea of a Christmas album been rattling around in your mind for a while? It has. Yeah. I've, you know, I grew up listening to Christmas music and um, I started with my own music pretty young and I've always wanted to write my own Christmas songs. I always wanted to do an album, but I didn't want to just do it to do it, you know, just to have a Christmas album to, to sell. I wanted it to be genuine and, you know, sincere. So um, just kind of waited for the inspiration to hit me, um, which it did last year. So I started writing some Christmas songs. Just They just came out of the sky, I guess, just kind of out of nowhere and, Every time well, I sang a melody or picked up the guitar, it would be like a Christmas-themed idea. So, yeah, that's how it happened. Well, I'm I'm glad it did. And I'm glad that this is kind of a different take on the vision of Christmas. I mean, you've got a standard on, on the album, Silent Night and Star in the East. Uh-huh. But some of these songs are not all jingle bells and ho, ho, ho. Um, songs like... <laughs> Tomorrow is Christmas and Unhappy Holiday and uh, The Times I Love. They're the most, are they personal to your experience or are you expressing a universal sentiment or both? Um, I think both. Um, all the songs are original except for Silent Night. And I think some of them came from like very personal experiences. Like, for example, The Times I Love the Most, I, it's a song about you know, driving down the California coast during Christmas and kind of skipping the the usual family traditions and going to the cold and the snow and really just having a California Christmas and making your own traditions. And that came from actually traveling down the coast last um, December. And, you know, it was December and the sun was out, the sun was shining and people were sunbathing at the beach. So, you know, that came from there. So, um and then some of the songs are more just general spiritual themes that I think a lot of people can relate to during the holidays. You know, it's all about the holiday spirit. So, um, yeah, a little bit of both. I hope people can relate to the songs. Well, I certainly relate to them. And um, I, well, <laughs> you know, why don't we uh, just play one? This is uh, Tomorrow is Christmas Morning. Snow's falling on your window I'm falling asleep Miles and miles in between us I'll meet you in my dreams They say that love takes a fool's heart So maybe that's what Um, is that song the lament of a touring musician? <laughs> it is. That song's actually, a, that's the first song that I wrote for the album. That's the one that kind of opened the floodgates to the Christmas songwriting inspiration. And um, I actually wrote that when I was traveling in Nashville. I was on tour and I was in my hotel room and just really missing my husband and missing home and um I started writing this song and, you know, the story is true, but this whole Christmas thing came to my mind and the words just poured out this Christmas story. And it was like the middle of September, like a hundred degrees out in Nashville. So <laughs> it was really random, but you know, it just went with it. Just followed the muse. Yeah. Well, it worked. It worked. And I actually see that as a very <laughs> optimistic song because you thought that you could get on a plane that quickly and get home. But uh, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, you do tour a lot uh, and you have endorsements and you've got a huge following. It, it kind of looks like you're sort of a, a one woman independent music company. Is, is that a good description? Yeah, that's a perfect description. <laughs> <laughs> I basically wear like a million hats um, with 50 different job descriptions a day. 
Um, some days I wish I could just, you know, be in the studio and, and play and songwrite and not do any of the other stuff. But the other stuff is really fun, too. I like the the whole marketing business booking aspect as well. Um, just sometimes there's not enough hours in the day, so... Yeah, well, we know that feeling, too. Uh, well, we're going to right. continue with the Christmas spirit. Um, um, and But first, I want to reach back a bit into your album, uh, Uprooted Clarity, and play the first song uh, of yours that I heard, actually. And this is uh, delightful. up the scale on that and and even more I I like the message that you know who you are and that's not an easy thing to do was writing music one of the paths to self-knowing to to getting the kind of self-confidence that you have yeah definitely Um, I started writing when I was uh, about 12 years old or so 11 maybe and um, it was always just this very personal thing to me that, you know, I didn't share my music with anyone for years. I just sat in my bedroom and I don't think I even showed my parents my songs until like a couple years later. And I was like, guess what? I've been writing these songs and had like a whole notebook and they were like, what? So it was like this very personal cocoon for me. And um, I think, you know, that just added to finding out who I was and finding my voice. And I still do that. I feel like with every album, I kind of find a different aspect to myself. So yeah, it's definitely a big self-discovery mechanism for me, for sure. Well, I want to play um, a little of the times I love the most, because to me, it's a song that can only be written by a woman who is aware and sure of who she is. So why don't we play a little bit of that? (laughs) Cool. Let's take a drive on down the coast. Beat the rush and leave the snow they think the weather makes a holiday but honey we can do it our own way these are the times I love the most and they can have themselves a white Christmas in the cold we'll take our feet in the But, honey, we can do it our own way. These are the times I love the most, uh, complete with cowbells. Now, you know, you don't need to follow convention. You you follow your, your desires, and you wanted a sunshine and a beach, and it's a sentiment I very much um, agree with. And apparently you did take that trip, yes? Yes, indeed, yeah. And even uh, even last week I was driving down the coast, and people were sunbathing. It was like 75 degrees. <laughs> And, uh, you know, total California Christmas vibe. So love it. Did you write the song before or after you took that trip? Um, I was writing it during, actually, when I was driving down the coast. I had this melody replaying in my head, um, and then it turned into the lyrics, let's take a drive on down the coast. And then throughout the whole tour down there, I kind of kept piecing together little lyrics and then, when I got back home, I kind of pieced everything together into the song. So it happened pretty quickly. Well, I'm glad it did. Um, you know, as an, as an independent, you don't have to follow <laughs> conventions, and obviously you don't. But I wonder, 
um, do your fans or does the music industry in general or society, do they ever push you to produce more conventional music? Well, um, the industry, I would say, I don't know if it pushes me. Um, I've always been a little bit of a rebel in the way that I just don't care what anyone else says because I know that um, what's inside, you know, my soul that I want to express. And um, I think it's more of just, you know, as a society, we're, you know, we're trained to put things in boxes and label things, which is just the way it is. And sometimes that, that needs to happen for industry stuff to say, well, what kind of music is it? And I've always struggled with that, like the, the type of music it is or the genre um, cause I don't want to be put in a box, but you just, you know, you can't really get away from it being in this industry. So, um, yeah, that's, that's about it though. I really kind of don't, don't mind, you know, just doing my own thing and people who get it and enjoy it. Great. And then people who don't, that's okay too. <laughs> okay. Well, we do. And we're, and obviously a lot of your, your fans do because they're sending us emails, but real quick, let me remind everybody. We're talking with uh, Katie Garibaldi. You can talk with her, too. You can call in, 347-215-7511, and you can email in to musicfridaylive at gmail.com. Let's go to some of those emails. This is from uh, Looney Tune, and Looney Tune says, I hear Katie was, I heard Katie was going to be on your show, and I'm one of her biggest fans. I would like her to expand on what her favorite part of performing is. Would it be songwriting, writing those great Katie lyrics, or is it the singing part? Uh, and also ask her if she's going to be touring anytime soon in my area, which is Seattle. Okay. Oh, cute. Um, thanks, Looney Tune. Um, I'm actually going to Seattle on Monday. I'm filming a video. I'm not doing any public performances. But um, I'm filming a private video that we're going to do some of the Christmas songs, and I'll be releasing that through my website and my YouTube in a few days. So look out for that. And then um, the first question, uh, I guess my favorite moment in the whole songwriting process would be um, when I first start writing a song and I realize that something special is happening. So I'll get like, usually like a physical reaction, like I'll get goosebumps or I'll get kind of teary-eyed or really excited. So I know that like, okay, a song is coming here. This is something happening. So that's always like my favorite moment of the whole process. Okay. Uh, we have an email here from Sunshine Pharmacy. And Sunshine Pharmacy wants, uh, says, please ask Kay if a video of one of her Christmas songs is available Saw that her last video won many awards. Thanks. Cool. Um, yeah, I actually have a couple of videos coming out, and they're going to be out next week. So I have a, a video coming out for my song, Unhappy Holiday, which we filmed in Nashville, and then um, also another video coming out for Star in the East. So that should be out soon. Okay. Uh uh, Baloo in Los Angeles uh, wants to know, have you played in L.A.? I don't recall seeing you here. And then, he, and then Baloo adds, yeah. are you on Bands in Town? Yes, I am. I'm on Bands in Town, and I have played in L.A. I go as often as I can. Um, I was just in that area last week, although I didn't have shows actually in Los Angeles, there were a couple of cities around Los Angeles. Um, I played like an open mic in LA, but I did some of the surrounding cities. So I should be back hopefully sooner than later, um, early next year or so. But yeah, you could follow me on my website to get all the updates. Okay. And Daniel um, in Atlanta wanted to know, have you played at South by Southwest? I thought I saw you there two years ago. Or maybe I did. somebody else. Yeah. You did? Okay. Yeah, I played a couple years in a row there. Yeah, that was and, a lot of fun. And how'd you like it? how you like Soft by Soft? I loved it. I loved it. Um, you know, there's like mixed reviews of people saying it's like gotten like way too big now, but I think it's exciting. You know, everyone from the industry is there, all different artists from all over the world. 
And, uh, you know, it's just like a cool networking thing. You get to meet a lot of different people and um, hear a lot of great music. So, yeah, I loved it. Are you going to uh, come down to L.A. for NAM at the end of January? You know, I usually do, but I'm not going to make it this year. I'll be in New York for the Grammy week since they're doing it over there this year, which is the same weekend as NAM. <laughs> I know. And usually for our listeners who may not know what NAM is, NAM is the uh, National Association of Music Merchandisers, and it's a, it is the annual convention of everybody in music. Uh, it's, the, it's at the Anaheim Convention Center, right behind Disneyland, 100,000 people. It's huge. And mm-hmm. they usually stage it just before the, uh, the Grammys, so all the people who come into L.A. for the Grammys can actually be over at NAMM. But this year, the Grammys fooled them, and they moved to New York. And I'm not quite sure why they did yeah. that, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's reasons why. So are you going to be playing at the Grammys? Uh, well, I'm not playing at the actual Grammys, but I am playing in New York. Uh, it's going to be the night before the Grammys um, at, if I can remember the venue, uh, Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. I want to sure. say. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's a indie um indie collaborative show so there's lots of indie artists playing so that should be fun sure. and for our listeners who may not know it the grammys are surrounded by pre-grammy parties so there's lots and lots of concerts and and things that go on around the grammys mm-hmm. um, Holmes in seattle where you're going to wants to know what instruments any underlines s do you play <laughs> i just play the guitar Um, I used to play piano. My mom taught me when I was a kid. Um, So I I still know a little bit of piano, but I never perform it live. Guitar's my thing. It's my baby. Okay. All right. Well, let's get back to listening to some of you uh, play your baby. We have time for one more song. And I'm I'm tempted to say, you know, I've been tempted to play Unhappy Christmas because I'm sure there are listeners out there who can identify with it. But I really want to end up on an up note and um, because you are an up note. So here is Love on Christmas Day. I've got my heart here wrapped up in You know, I have to say that for a, an independent musician in San Francisco, you sure do a pure country song well, right? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Did you record that in Nashville? No, we recorded it here in the Bay Area. But it's definitely okay. Nashville-inspired. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. And you know what? Of, of all the songs on the album, and this is just my opinion, I think that mm-hmm. may be the one that gets into Christmas rotation on radios for decades. Right? Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. Well, let's hope, huh? Uh, we've got a couple more yeah, emails. Yeah, it out in the universe. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, we're working on that. Uh, we've got a couple minutes here, which means I can go back to some of the emails that that have come in. Um, Ranchman in Phoenix says, I am an independent singer-songwriter with my sister. We are just starting out, and my friends say that YouTube is the way to build audience. What do you think? Mm. Um, I think it is a huge way for a lot of artists. Um, I think that it's different for everyone, so you really have to try everything, like every social media platform, and just see what works for you best personally. Um, that's what I found. You just kind of 
like I tried the whole Snapchat thing and it was like really not going anywhere for me. Um, but you know, that's what all the kids are doing now. So I had to try it. So then, um, you know, I found what works best is actually Instagram for me and, um, YouTube as well. But I think you just have to be like genuine to yourself and see what feels right to you. And that's how fans are going to respond. Okay. All right. Uh, we have several, uh, emails from, um, San Francisco, one from Mailer in San Francisco, one from Raleigh in San Francisco, and they want to know where can we see you play in the Bay Area? And you have a Bay Area concert coming up, don't you? Yes, I do. I'm going to be playing in Richmond on Saturday the 23rd, and it's going to be at Kaleidoscope Coffee, this cute little cafe, that acoustic music there, um, if anyone's in the Richmond area. And uh, after that, yeah, probably not until after the new year, but you can always check my website, katiegaribaldi.com, for new shows. Okay, and one last one uh, uh, I want to squeeze in. This is from Ben in uh, Oakland, uh, also in your neck of the woods, and he's, he says, mm-hmm. uh, um, is it getting easier or harder for independent musicians to make a living? I, I know some artists who are on labels, and they're not having an easy time of it. Right. Yeah, that's an easy question to answer. <laughs> um, it's definitely Uh-oh. a struggle. Um, I feel like it, it is harder than it was just a few years ago. Um, but I'm still optimistic that people will find the value in music. And, um, you know, it's it's really the majority is from live shows, do, playing live shows and going on the road. So, yeah, okay. it's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Well, let's just remind everybody to join bands in town, follow her, follow all your favorite musicians, and go out and see them live because that's how we yeah. make sure we can keep them alive, right? All right. Right. Oh, well, unfortunately, we are out of time, and there are eight more songs on this album. They're all great songs, and um, people are just going to have to go buy the album to hear them. So what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way is you can go to my website, katiegaribaldi.com, and all my links are on there. Uh, the album is out everywhere online, so you can get it on iTunes and Amazon, CD Baby, um, and you can stream it on Spotify. Um, but, yeah, all, all the links are on my site, so that's the best oh. place to go. Okay. Uh, the best place to go is her site because uh, you can it, you can actually get a real real copy there, a real hard copy of the album there, can't you? Yeah, you can get CDs and, like, some festive merch. I have ornaments and uh, little wine glasses for the holidays. They make Ooh. good Christmas gifts, just saying. Ooh. <laughs> that I like. All right, everybody should, should go to her website, uh, get a copy of the CD, because it's got liner notes and photography and everything on it. You, and while you're there, get a couple of um, wine glasses for you and your your loved one when you're home on Christmas morning and uh, maybe uh, an ornament to hang on the tree. Uh, Katie Garibaldi, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. And uh, real quick, uh, you're going to be in Santa Barbara coming up. Next week, yeah. Next week. Coming up Uh, on Thursday the 21st. Um, Don't know if I'm saying this name right, but it's at Hoffman Brock House. Don't quote me, but that's the place of it's in Santa Barbara, and um, okay. yeah, free show. All right. All right. So everybody who's in my Southern California audience, particularly, uh, you know, Ventura, Santa Barbara area, check out her website and get the exact name of the venue and go see her next Thursday. And again, thank you so much for joining us, Katie. Thank you, Patrick. Really appreciate it. Thanks. You have been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from the Cyber Station USA Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, the Artist Echoes Network in the UK, and all of our radio affiliates. Like our Facebook page, follow our Twitter feed, and get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano, who has her own radio show. So I think we're going to have a new intern in January. You can download this and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com slash Music Friday. 
Now, this is our last program for 2017. We're going to take two weeks off for the holidays. And when we return, we're going to bring more of America's great musical talent uh, to the air, to your ears. Our our bilingual program, Musica Fusion LA, will be on next Wednesday. So take a listen. Meanwhile, have a great musical weekend and see you next year. Bye, all.